welcome to 30 Days of Terror Day 2. To kick things off today, I need to thank some lovely Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Michelle Skinner, Leonidas Brown, Sirka Corrigan, Connor, Kelly McLelland, Samantha Wood, Fiona Rose Carter, Tully O'Leary, Elizabeth Ziegler, Derek West, Elena Lee Stothers, Alyssa Peacock, Danielle Powell, Lisa Bryant, Ben Jones, Ryan Carter, Elvie, Kelly, Vicky Patton and Joanne Alvarez. Thank you so much for supporting on Patreon. It is much appreciated and I'm thankful for you every single day. And I have three lovely listener stories for you today. And story number one comes from Samantha. My family have always believed and experienced the supernatural. My parents both have had their own stories of ghosts and ghostly experiences. My favourite auntie also had her stories or were included in my dad's experiences. On the bookshelf you could always find a book of ghost stories, Edgar Case books, alternative medicines books, metaphysical books and anything to do with the supernatural and the like. Shows like ghost adventures and horror movies were always means of entertainment as I was growing up. My favourite movie that I would watch over and over was Ghostbusters. I myself, from an early age, was sensitive to the other side, according to my dad. My dad says I get it from his side of the family. Everyone on my dad's side had or have some type of extra perception. He has dreams, mainly, and I have been able to grow my abilities over the years. My first story is when I was around 12 when I was just starting to understand what I was capable of. The house that I lived in at the time was built in the 1900s before indoor plumbing and electrical. The back porch was converted into the bathroom at one point when indoor plumbing was available. When my dad was fixing the house up to sell it, he found the oil lamp hookups when he was updating the electrical. In this house, I always felt that I was being watched. I would hear someone calling my name and I would go to my parents and they would always say that they didn't call for me. I also fell down the stairs a lot. And I mean a lot. Even in my teen years, I remember times when I'd be going down the stairs and I would just fall. It was the weirdest feeling, like some invisible hand would just push me. Or my foot would catch on something that just wasn't there. The house was a simple house and my parents wanted my sister and I to have our own rooms. My sister and I had our rooms upstairs, and my sister's room had a small attic door. It was creepy as hell, and we hated it. Most nights, my sister would bunk with my room. I would wake up and she would crawl in bed with me or lay on the floor so that I would get up and I would step on her. During the day, that room was fine, but at night, you would not want to be in there. Why, we never knew. I always had that feeling that we should not be in there at night that something was in there that children should not see or be involved in. As I grew into a teen, I would hate it, but I understood why my sister didn't want to be in that room at night. My sister told me just the other day, when we looked at the house on the internet and saw an old ad for when it was being sold last, that one of the reasons why she would go into my room at night was due to the fact that she would wake up and the small attic door would be open. It had a hook latch that you had to push up and out of the eye part to unlock it. The door itself was built to fit tightly to the wall, so it needed force to pull open, even if for some reason the hook latch was undone. 
but that was not the worst that I experienced there. It was when I was around 12 years old, right when summer vacation from school had started. I was so excited because I'd gotten good grades. My mom had let me order from the book club that the school ran. I was lucky enough that my order came in before school let out, so I had a bunch of books I could read at whatever pace I wanted, since I hadn't borrowed it from my local library. I enjoyed reading so much that I would spend my summers making weekly trips to the local library, so this was a real treat. I was sitting at the end of the kitchen table, and at this end you could see into the dining room and the doorway to the storage room and the extra room that was now my parents' room. I remember clearly what I was reading. It was no ghost story. At this point, I was reading anything and everything about UFOs and aliens. One of the books I'd gotten from the book club was a book of stories about kids and their experiences with UFOs. The story was about three teen boys that had gone on a camping trip and had seen a UFO when canoeing. My parents came into the kitchen and told me that they were going to get my sister from her summer softball practice and they would be back soon. The school my sister was at was maybe a five minute drive away, so they would be gone 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the most. It was a short enough time that me being 12 years old, I would be fine by myself. They left and I kept reading. I'm not sure how much time passed, it seemed like only a few minutes since they left, when I had this sudden urge to look up and into the dining room area. As I looked up I saw a dark, shadowy figure. Broad shoulders, about six feet tall and walking with a wide stance. I say six feet due to my dad being six feet tall, And if my dad was standing there, he would have stood as tall as this thing, and it had a male stance and walk. The shadow figure had its back to me, and was walking towards my parents' room. In the seconds I had looked up and was looking at the shadow person, it must have sensed I saw him, for it stopped and turned around to look at me. I saw no face, just the places, eyes, nose and a mouth should be, like you would see if black fabric was pulled tight over its face. Again, in the seconds that he saw me, he turned and bolted into my parents' room. Me being a preteen in the house by myself, I remember what my dad had told me. If anyone breaks into the house, you grab my baseball bat and you give him hell. So I went to the front door across the kitchen, grabbed the wooden baseball bat that was behind the door, and ran to my parents' room. I started searching. I looked under the bed, behind the dresser, and as I was at the closet moving the clothes to the side with the bat, I realised that my search was stupid. There was no way out of my parents' room. It was a small room, so I would have seen a six-foot man in there. The only place to hide was the closet, and I would have seen legs behind the hanging clothing due to the fact that they only hung halfway down the closet. Plus, there was no other stuff on the floor of the closet. I would have seen an intruder the moment I went into the room. At that point I realised that no one was in the house. No one had broken in. I literally backed out of the room with the bat up, completely freaked out. I'm not sure why, but I put the bat back in its place behind the front door and sat back down at the table. I picked up my UFO kids book and my parents and sister walked through the door. As I mentioned, my sister and I were recently talking about that house. I was telling her this story and she told me about the attic door. As my sister and I looked at the online ad for this house, we noticed that it said it was a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house. But as you look through the pictures, 
there was no picture of the room. My sister's room, with the attic door. My eight-year-old niece, we realised, was listening to us and had heard about the shadow man and the attic door. And when we paused for a moment, we heard her say, That's creepy. And yes, it sure is. So not to leave you all freaked out, I'm going to finish with a happy story. The second story is about how my grandmother broke the water heater from her grave. Yes, broke the water heater from her grave. My grandma passed away from a rapid-growing, aggressive, cancerous tumour on her liver back in 2006, just after I graduated college. She was diagnosed in July and passed New Year's Eve that year when the cancer moved to her heart and caused heart failure. It was rough on the family. This grandma was my mom's mom. She lived in the state of Wisconsin and my parents had met there when my dad served in the Coast Guard. When my dad got stationed in Michigan at the end of the service, my parents decided they liked Michigan and would stay. So as an inexpensive family trip every summer, we would go to grandma's in Wisconsin. When grandma got sick, my mom took time off her job and went to stay with her. My dad would drive the 8-12 to hour trip every weekend to help my mom with grandma. My mom had three younger siblings, two brothers and a younger sister. When my grandma passed, she left in her will that she wanted her house sold, her belongings liquidated and divided between her four children. My parents, aunts and uncles decided that since they had to have an estate sale after the funeral, we would go along with my cousins, back to my grandma's house and we would all take anything we wanted. The one rule was... If you brought it for grandma or had a memory of grandma involving that item, it was yours. If there was not those stipulations, a coin would be flipped. It was beautiful. Everyone sharing their stories and being so supportive as we all grieved. It wasn't until after that we all saw an issue. My one aunt who was married into the family to my grandma's second oldest child, my mom's brother. This aunt and uncle had not stayed long. They rushed through the house and the garage and as my dad and other uncle noticed, walked through the house with dollar signs in her eyes. As the remaining family relaxed at the house, many were telling each other what they observed of this one aunt. She had taken all four old-fashioned meat grinders, which the other siblings stated that since there was four, they could each take one. She took some old magazines and I don't recall the other things. The issue was, it was anything she thought would be worth money. She either took or said she wanted. I do remember my mom discovering that my grandma's wedding dishes had a note on it. My mom had put a note on them saying they were wedding dishes and that she would be taking them. Everyone in the family knew the tradition, that the wedding dishes would be passed on from the eldest daughter to the next. Therefore, going to my mom and then to me and so on. So next to my mom's note was an aunt's note saying, I want these, we have to flip a coin. At this point, my mom's younger sister had gone home along with all my cousins. My other aunt and uncle were there, my sister and myself. My dad grabbed the phone and told my mom to call this dollar sign in the eyes aunt and explain the dishes. Perhaps, my dad said, she just didn't know. Oh, she knew and my mom ended up yelling, telling her that they were her dishes and that was final. Unfortunately, as advised by the family lawyer, my mom had to sign the estate over to the next eldest sibling. The reason being that my mom lived in Michigan, and my grandma's estate was in Wisconsin. 
There would be so many legal and state fees that there was a risk that the inheritance would be gone and unable to be divided between my grandma's four children. So my mom signed the estate over to the next oldest sibling, the brother whose wife was the aunt with the dollar sign in her eyes. About a week later, when we all returned home to Michigan, I had the most wonderful dream. My family was all at this state park in Wisconsin that we went to a lot for picnics. It's called Cave Point. As the name suggests, it is over Lake Michigan with beautiful caves along the coast that's been carved over years by the water. The family was having a picnic in my dream. All of my mom's side of the family was there. Grandma came rolling herself up in her wheelchair and everyone was shocked. Grandma couldn't move the chair on her own when she was alive. She didn't stop in the dream, she just kept moving herself to the edge of the cliff over the water with the biggest smile on her face. Everyone was whispering, not knowing what to do. She's dead. Why is she here? I said out loud, screw it, I'm going to see Grandma, and I went running up the cliff to her. It was now sunset, when it had just been a sunny afternoon. I got to the cliff and I said, hi Grandma, and Grandma looked up at me and smiled. She then got up from the wheelchair, and I exclaimed, you can walk. She said that of course she could walk. Again, she was wheelchair-bound and couldn't walk without assistance when she was alive. Then she wrapped me in a hug and I woke up hugging my pillow wet with tears, still feeling her arms around me. I got up and I heard my mom on the phone. I wandered into the living room and my mom was just getting off the phone with my other aunt in Wisconsin. She had called because she knew my aunt with the dollar signs in her eyes wouldn't call us and tell us what happened. My mom told me that Dollar Sign Aunt had gone to Grandma's house since she had control of the estate through her husband, the brother my mom had to sign the estate over to, and when she walked into the house she found it flooded with water. The water heater had broken. They had had the water heater inspected and the insurance would take care of the repairs, finding nothing but the fact that it malfunctioned. After my mom told me I was just stunned. My mom seeing me visibly not right asked what was wrong. I started laughing and I told my mom that grandma did it. My mom was confused. I said that grandma broke the water heater and I told her about the dream that I had just had. So yes, grandma broke the water heater to make a final statement that she knew what my one aunt had done, knowing that she would find the house flooded. Then she said goodbye in my dream, happy as can be. It was priceless. We still laugh about it to this day. To add one last thing, I think Grandma wanted me to share these stories with you all today. My partner and I went to a local antique store today. As we were walking through, three items I feel were placed in my way. The first I saw was a glass that said, Someone from Wisconsin loves you and has a deer on it. I turned and a light blue coffee mug caught my eye. I read it and it said SS Badger with a car ferry on it. The same car ferry that we would take sometimes to visit Grandma. The last thing was a metal hanging sign of a hummingbird with a stained glass wings and I started to cry. My partner asked me what was wrong and I pointed to the hummingbird. I've told him before that grandma loved hummingbirds and would show them to me when she was telling me she loved me. I said out loud, I love you too grandma. Needless to say we left with all three of those items and I came home and I wrote this email. And story number two comes from Lily. When I was 10 years old, my dad passed away. It was roughly two days after we had attended his funeral and I was laying in bed. 
For context, I will mention that I shared a double bed with my younger sister at the time. So I was laying there and I couldn't sleep, when suddenly I heard snoring. In this moment, I held my breath in order to tell if it was coming from me or my sister. I could hear her breathing gently as she slept, but to the right of me, on the large, deep-set windowsill, there was definite snoring. The type of snoring your granddad does when having 40 winks. I don't know why, but I really felt like it was my dad, and I didn't like the feeling. Every time he has visited me throughout my life, which is roughly four or five times, I hate it. I hate the strange vibe I get, and I tell him to go away because it makes me uncomfortable. Not long after my first experience, I encountered another. I was still ten years old. My school teacher used to drive me to and from school in my last year of primary school because we had moved away to the next town. Soon after my dad had passed, so to save some extra trauma of moving schools in my last year, my teacher had offered to do this. She's a wonderful woman. The primary school I went to was built in the Victorian era and to some extent certain areas of the building always gave me the creeps. One day my teacher had a few bits to tie up at the end of the day so we had to stay on later than usual. The cleaners came and went, and I entertained myself by drawing on the whiteboard. I'd always dreamed of having one myself. I was a strange child. I was drawing away, having the time of my life, when I heard footsteps coming down the corridor. They were very clearly the kind of footsteps high-heeled shoes would make. I ran to the doorway to look down the hall, and no one was there. But the footsteps continued, and they got louder and louder, For what felt like forever, I couldn't move. And then suddenly I snapped out of it and ran to the office where my teacher was, who made the stereotypical comment, What on earth's the matter? You look like you've seen a ghost. At this point I fell silent and didn't say a word to anyone about it because it felt like I would never be believed. To cut a very long and painful story short, between the ages of 18 to 23 I was in a very mentally abusive relationship. We lived in a mobile home for the last year that I was in the relationship on a piece of land his family had lived on for years. Three things happened while I was there and I believe it to have only happened because it was drawn to my negative and unhappy energy. One night I was laid in bed turned to my ex-partner. He was facing the wall and was fast asleep. I was laid there on my phone because I couldn't sleep as usual when suddenly a finger ran hard and fast down my back. Writing this gives me shivers thinking about it. There was no one else around, and it felt very unfriendly. I woke up my ex and told him what happened, and he told me to lie still and not look behind me, and just to tell it to go away that it was not welcome. I think I eventually fell asleep out of pure exhaustion. The second experience, there was the sound of a horse-drawn carriage that went straight past the trailer, and the wind that rushed past my face with the noise. This happened at around 2am, and after some research I found that there had once been a road that would have had such things travel along it, so maybe it was just a fragment of energy replaying itself, I don't know. Another thing that happened at night was this horrific sound which I can only describe as a creepy, croaky, old man voice that would be outside the bedroom window, and even my ex didn't like it and was scared by it, and we would just lie there, terrified, waiting for it to go away. It would move around the trailer from one side to the other and we tried to rationalise it by saying it was some kind of animal. But I've never heard anything like it, or since. Lastly, this didn't happen where I lived, but I was still struggling to get away from the relationship at the time so my energy was really off. 
I went on a hen night in Weymouth, which is down in Dorset for my friend's sister's hen do. We checked into the hotel on the seafront, which instantly made me feel uneasy. I didn't want to mention that and taint anyone else's mood, so I kept it to myself and carried on. We went out in town for mocktails and dancing, which was really good fun, but me and my friend were pretty tired, so we told the rest of the girls we would head back to our room that we were sharing. Back in the hotel, we got into the room and I instantly felt something unwelcoming about it. I ignored it and didn't mention it to Samantha as I didn't want to scare her. I thought to myself that if it knows we're scared, it will feed off us. It was an old style hotel room, pretty clean and acceptable, mahogany wooden wardrobe and vanity table with those metal teapots and saucers you get in cheap hotels, and a huge wall length horizontal mirror. The twin beds were next to each other with about a two foot gap between them and behind Samantha's bed was the big wardrobe. I did not like that wardrobe, but again I said nothing. When we got into bed we realised we could see our breath in the air. Samantha looked at me and honestly I've never seen the colour drain from someone's face as quick as it did hers. She said, There's somebody behind me isn't there? And although I couldn't see anything, I could feel something, and it was angry. It was a horrible feeling of rage. I tried to deny this and say, no, don't be silly, it's nothing. And with that, she leapt out of her bed, screaming that someone touched her, and she jumped into my bed, crying. I held her for half an hour until she calmed down. But during this time, I could feel a male presence storming up and down and up and down the room. It honestly felt like the angriest, nastiest energy I had ever felt before. All I could focus on were the metal teapots because honestly I thought one of them was going to be flung across the room. Once Samantha had fallen asleep in my bed I sat there with all the lights on and the TV on and the temperature kept rising and dropping. I even checked the radiator and it wasn't even switched on. The final time that I could see my breath I got this whoosh feeling that went straight through me up into the ceiling that made my hair stand on end. After that I watched the news on repeat because it was the only channel that worked. I didn't sleep and as soon as it was light I woke Samantha up and we packed up our stuff and went and sat in the rain on the seafront because we didn't want to spend one more minute in that hotel. I was terrified for weeks that it had latched itself on to me but nothing else happened so I finally forgot about it and moved on. I never want to experience anything like that again and shortly after that I managed to get out of the abusive relationship and I've never experienced anything since. Thankfully I'm in a much brighter and happier place with a partner that is truly loving and I've never had any paranormal experiences since I got away from that horrible relationship six years ago. And story number three comes from Emmeline. A few months after my boyfriend and I moved in together we went through a difficult season and ended up moving in with his parents for several months until we could get our own place. This was my boyfriend's childhood home and we stayed in his old room across the hallway from his parents' room. They were very kind and allowed me to bring my small dog to live there as well. For the first few months things were good and I got along really well with his parents My boyfriend worked nights at the time, so it was often just me and his parents in the evenings after I got home from work. We would have dinner and watch TV together every night. As time went on, however, my mental health started to decline. I became very negative and would often shut myself in the room whenever I could instead of watching shows with my boyfriend's parents. 
I've struggled with depression in the past and we were in difficult circumstances at the time, so I just chalked up my negative emotions to that. However, looking back, I was more angry than sad. A lot of my anger was directed at my boyfriend's mom. Little things she did would fill me with something close to rage. The first time I heard the voice was on a weekend afternoon, when my boyfriend's parents left to visit family and we finally had some alone time. Shortly after the parents left, my boyfriend and I began having passionate sex, which we didn't get to do very often since we shared a wall with his parents' bedroom. I was being a bit loud, but I figured it was fine since we were home alone. Then we heard his mother's voice from the other bedroom. It was a quiet, uncomfortable chuckle, and it sounded like she was making a comment to his dad about how loud we were being. We both froze and looked at each other in horror. We quickly got up, and my boyfriend put on some clothes to go and apologise for the noise. We were mortified. He left the room, closing the door behind him. When he came back a few moments later, he told me that no one was home. His parents' car wasn't even in the driveway. Months later, I heard it again. I'd just gotten home from work with my little dog. I walked down the hallway towards our bedroom, my dog walking next to me. Suddenly, my dog stopped and looked into my boyfriend's parents' room. He stood alert, growling at the dark, empty room. I checked to make sure there was no one in the room and it was empty. No one else was home from work yet. I laughed and said out loud, Okay, this place is haunted. And then I heard his mom from across the house. She said, I'm here. It sounded like she was sitting in her chair in the living room and I just hadn't seen her when I'd come in. I was very embarrassed that she had heard me talking to myself about the house being haunted. I sighed, upset with myself for being so paranoid and walked back towards the living room. There was nobody there. I got cold chills as I realised I was in fact home alone. Both times were unmistakably the voice of my boyfriend's mom. I'm convinced there is something in that house. My boyfriend has told me that he saw a shadow figure in the hallway once as a child. Since moving out, I no longer feel anger towards my boyfriend's mom like I did when I lived there. She's very spiritual and has talked about the spirit of a funny old man who runs up and down the hallway of the house. Hopefully he's there to protect her. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Real Life Ghost Stories. If you would like to send in your own spooky story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. <laughs>